Hey friends, this is Fun Therapy, and my name is Mike Foster. And together, you and I, we're going to dive into the messy and brutal and imperfect, but absolutely gorgeous parts of our life. And we're going to do it with a smile. One of my favorite movies is The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. I hope you've seen it because it's a beautiful picture of what life is meant to be. Because I think a lot of us at times feel like a misfit, like we don't have a place to belong, that somehow we're disqualified or need to stand in the shadows. And yet one of the most beautiful things that that movie demonstrates is watching people come alive watching them discover that deep inside of them is a unique gift. And that's what we want to do around here. We want to see you and I and our friends and the relationships that we are involved in come alive. My name's Mike Foster, and this is Fun Therapy. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being you. I'm so glad that uh, you're in the world today, and I'm so glad that uh, you're listening and wanting to grow and learn and discover new things about life and your story and pain and loss, but also this desire for us to these beautiful lighthouses of love and hope in the world too. And so today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the normal episode. I hope you're okay with that. I'm going to um, talk about a topic today that uh, is often unaddressed, and but I, I believe is so incredibly important in terms of the work uh, of our own healing and our own growth. But unfortunately, we just uh, tend to not talk about it. And uh, that topic is the body. And I'm going to share some thoughts about that and hopefully some helpful things that will sort of reposition and reframe your, your approach to your body and why it's so important in terms of who you are and your healing and your freedom and the things that we are all going for in our lives. And so I'm excited to talk about that. And then I'm going to be joined by a good friend and really who a, a person that I call the co-host of the Fun Therapy podcast, uh, Ryan O'Neill is going to be here. And I'm going to talk to Ryan for a few minutes about his new song that just came out uh, from his Enneagram series uh, called Five. His new song is called Five. And he's been going through Uh, each of the personality types profiles of the Enneagram and uh, the fifth personality type, which is often known as the investigator, uh, just came out. And we're going to actually talk to Ryan about that song and some of the things that he learned about the Enneagram, learned about uh, type fives. And then we're going to play the song in its entirety on the podcast. So you're going to be able to hear this beautiful, wonderful, just inspiring piece of art 
from Ryan. So you don't want to miss that. But thank you for being here. Thank you for being alive. Thank you for being a friend of this podcast. And I hope you're ready to dive in. So as many of you know, I teach a workshop here in San Diego called Rescue Academy. And it's just two days where uh, I unpack all kinds of different topics about self-care and identity and addiction and mental health and relationships. And it's really a a wonderful, beautiful time that I uh, just love. I just totally love it. But one of the things that we talk about in the workshop is a topic that I just believe is so absolutely critical to you and I if we truly want to experience health and freedom in our lives. And that is the the topic of the body and how important our bodies are in terms of who we are. And so one of the very first things that I do in the workshop is I unpack what is true identity and really our true selves. And there's many layers of our true self and our true identity. But sort of the last, I, I kind of do this drawing and this picture of what that looks like. And the really the last layer of our identity that I draw in this picture is the, the body being part of our identity. And typically what I've found in terms of my work with people is that the body is often like the ignored middle child. We, we focus on our emotions, we focus on our souls, we focus on our minds, and all of those are absolutely critical to who we are and how we do life. But for whatever reason, we ignore the impact of the body. And we ignore its role and its place and who we are as human beings. And often what I, what I teach in the class is that uh, when we are angry, when we are struggling with shame, when we are feeling less than and unworthy, what happens is we actually attack our bodies. We attack that part of our identity. And we could do that through all different sort of ways, all the way from the way we hold stress in our body and at a cellular level um, to, you know, that sort of the obvious things of self-harm, overeating, um, medicating, and all of those things are about the body, right? They're all about us trying to uh, alleviate pain that is felt, and we 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 attack that body part of our identity. The other important thing about our body is that the body is actually the container. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but it is the container of you. It holds your emotions. It holds your brain. It holds your heart. It holds the stories. Of your past. And so for us to sort of ignore it or to pretend like it's just sort of a you know necessary evil and it's just sort of there is sort of to live a life uh you know 
you know, have a, having a blind spot in terms of our own human development. I think about my own story about, uh, um, I used to work all day and not eat anything. And so I'd skip breakfast. I just get like, I'd wake up early in the morning. I would just start working. This is back in my very perfectionistic performance driven seasons of my life. And, um, and I would, I would get to about like two or three o'clock in the afternoon and realize I hadn't eaten anything. And what would happen in the sort of early afternoon is I would become what I like to refer to as hangry. It's where you're hungry and angry. <laughs> and that is what's interesting about that is that is my body, a physiological response to the lack of nourishment, uh, me ignoring my body, me not tending to the care of my body. So it turned me into this raging lunatic, right? This guy that just became unhinged. And so a lot of us are probably doing things right now to our body or expecting things from our body. And uh, we don't, if you don't like the result, if I didn't like the result of me being angry and being a complete jerk to my family or friends or being grumpy in meetings uh, because my body was upset or unsettled because it had no food. Um, by the way, one of the things that I do now is I eat breakfast. It's become a new sort of practice, a rhythm to my own self-care, but also to helping honor my body and saying, okay, body, you need food, so I'm going to feed you. And I just think it's really, really important for us to really tend to our body, nourish our body, but get curious about our body because our body actually tells us a lot about how we're doing. Uh, Bessel van der Kolk uh, is an incredibly smart man who has done a lot of work around PTSD and trauma and the body itself. And, and uh, I love what he says about this in terms of this whole idea of letting the body speak truth to us. He, he says this, he goes, I often tell my students the two most important phrases in therapy as in yoga are notice that and what happens next. Once you start approaching your body with curiosity rather than with fear, everything shifts. In addressing this topic, and I'm very passionate about it, is because of my own story and some of the own, my own freedom that has come when I have been intentional about honoring the container of my personhood. And uh, I want to share with you a story that is going to sound a little weird and funky. And honestly, it, it, it even as I say it, and talk about it. It sounds weird and funky, but I, I'm going to ask you just to go with me for a moment into something very personal that happened to me and some freedom that I found by doing some body work around this particular trauma in my own story. 
And so one of the things that uh, I have written about, I write, write about it in um, my book, You Rise Glorious. I speak about this topic. I share this part of my story uh, often and use it as really a, a place of um, talking about things that are painful. And for me, this is an incredibly painful part of my story. And what that is, is that early on in my childhood, actually at the age of 13, um, I was uh, sexually abused by a family friend. And anybody that knows about or has experienced any type of abuse, sexual assault, rape, anything, verbal abuse, physical abuse, it doesn't matter, especially um, you know, early on in our stories, these are these are incredibly traumatic things. They have ripple effects in terms of how we see the world. They they unleash shame and secrets, and just just can be devastating in terms of our story. And so, most of my life, I have been working through that, processing that, moving towards healing and health and wholeness. And and by the way, if you have gone through that. And if you, you've experienced anything, whether it's childhood uh, abuse or anything in your story where you were attacked or your body was attacked in some way, assaulted, um, I want to just encourage you to say that there is hope and things can be better. And I say that from my own story, but I also say that watching others do their work and tackling some of the most difficult, painful things in their life and finding freedom. But part of this freedom journey is actually doing body work around it. And so a lot of times in my, when I'm counseling and working with people, um, you know, I'm always looking for ways to engage the body. And um, but before I talk about that, let me, let me just tell you about my story. Uh, that happened about a year ago in terms of some body work that I did around the sexual abuse from my childhood. So one of the things that would happen when I would talk about the story or talk about uh, just even, you know, speaking about it, even writing about it, sharing just generally about the the abuse was that my stomach and my gut, I, I would just get this nauseous feeling inside. And I had, I had done years of work. I was able to find the words and be able to talk about the story and had processed a lot of the things. But my body was having still a reaction to the trauma. Again, the trauma was held cellularly, physiologically in my stomach. And so it was making me sick, basically making me want to throw up every time I want to tell a story. But I just thought, hey, well, this is just part of it. Whatever. Um, I'm talking about it. I've done counseling around it. I've done my own therapy around it. I should be fine. You know, okay, a little nauseousness. Oh, well. But a year ago, I was at a program called Onsite. And I love Onsite. I love Miles Adcox. We've talked about that before on Fun Therapy. I actually had Miles as a guest. And I was in uh, one of their programs and we were doing what we call experiential therapy. It was group therapy, but we do, we call sculpts and we get the body involved in terms of working through some of our pain and, and trauma of our stories. And so I got up, it was kind of the last day and I had done a lot of work before that and it was really great and 
breakthrough. And so I kind of got up there and it's like, well, and the therapist asked me, hey, Mike, is there anything you want to work on? And I'm like, well, you know, there's this one little thing. I don't know if it's a big deal, but whenever I talk about the sexual abuse, uh, I get this knot in my stomach, this nauseousness in my stomach, my body just like, and I like, I feel gross inside. And so I explain this to them and my group and my therapist. And so she gets out this block, this kind of big foam block. Let's imagine like four, four and a half, five feet tall block, uh, kind of square. So maybe four or five feet wide block. It's this big foamy thing. And so she sets it down. She goes, and she invites somebody else to stand on the other side of the block. And she goes, Hey, well, what I want you to do is I want you to think about, you know, the, the part of your body that's holding the trauma. And obviously that was my stomach. That was, it was kind of right there. It's like a, this black knot trapped inside. And she said, okay, I want you to try to push that out of your body. And I, at this point I'm going, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know, it's like, push it out of my body. Like, how am I supposed to do that? Um, and you're probably thinking to yourself, like, what, what you talking about, Mike? Um, so just go with me here. I want to, I want to share this um again it may sound strange and weird but but it's it's important and so she goes i want you to try to push that that thing out of your body and push it into the foam block I'm like okay i'll try what what the heck you know i'm here let's try this and uh so i begin to you know there's a guy standing on the other side uh, or a man on the other side of the block kind of so i'm pushing and he's the resistance and so and then the block in between so i'm pushing on one side he's standing on this other side i start pushing into the block i start pushing and pushing and i'm kind of like okay this is strange but then i start pushing some more and then i'm starting to feel like all this shame and rage and anger and unforgiveness starting to move from my stomach into the block. And after several minutes of this, I, I am just like, my whole body is engaged. My whole self, my whole identity, every aspect of that trauma is being pushed out into this foam block to the point where I was pushing so hard on that that block that they needed three grown men to stand on the other side of that block in order to keep me from pretty much going across the room. That's how much force was coming out of my body. And I'm not really that <laughs> strong of a guy, I gotta be honest, but, but my body's response to the trauma and getting that out, that blackness, that shame, that hurt, that pain, getting it out into the block was such this force, this physical force. Uh, and I, and after several minutes of this, I eventually just collapse to the ground. I'm completely sweaty and, um, you know, just tired. And, uh, it was a, it was a profound moment and I, I wasn't exactly sure what that moment meant at the time, but here's what I will say. And this is sort of my point to the story is that I haven't, every time I share about the abuse and talk about the abuse, I no longer feel sick to my stomach. That whatever the body was holding onto, it's now out of me. 
it no longer controls me. Um, and the other thing, and this is really key to me, key, key in terms of this story and hopefully important to you also, is that not only is the, the physical manifest, manifestation of the pain and the trauma gone and you know, dissipated, but you know what rushed into its place is amazing amounts of forgiveness. And what I mean by that is that as I think about the situation, as I think about the person who did it, as I think about my own life, that there was something that was able to come in because of the, the body work, because of getting rid of that black ball of darkness and pushing it out into the block that day. Um, I'm able to feel differently. I'm able to experience things differently. The story sits differently as I share it. And that's what I want for you. And that's what I want for all of us. But it is so key and so important for us to be thinking about how our body plays a part in our pain and in our story. Now, I want you to think about the things that maybe you need to release. Now I want to talk about how we could go about doing that. So I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you've ever watched animals, uh, animals are always dealing with the physiological part of fear and trauma and pain. A story that my friend Bill uh, told me that I, th I just found completely interesting was, you know, horses, whenever there's a, a lightning storm or a big thunderstorm happening, you can watch horses in a field and they will be running and jumping and Basically, what they're doing is they're trying to discharge the fear that they're feeling in that moment because of the, the noises of the thunderstorm. And so animals actually have this really great practice, this really great rhythm for releasing, physically releasing uh, fear and things that make them feel pain and trauma. Yet humans, we we don't sort of have those natural responses we actually our responses quite differently we just kind of hold we hold things we trap things we compartmentalize things and so i want to give you a couple tips and maybe some healthy practices that might help you in terms of beginning to engage your body and the first thing i would just say is number 1 my guess is that as you're listening to this you are you have not been aware of this topic or how your body plays a part in your life. You, and so maybe the very first step of us really bringing care to this part of our identity is actually honor, begin to honoring it. Honoring it by feeding it. Honoring it by exercising it. Honoring it by embracing it and loving it and accepting it, whatever shape it might be. And gosh darn it. Every single conversation it seems I have with people these days is somebody, everybody's trying to lose five to 10 pounds. 
And it's sort of like the body is just this enemy to them. And so maybe the first stop in our process, the first thing we do is uh, we begin to love our container just as it is. And let that be the starting point. The second thing that I've found very helpful is breath prayer. And uh, if you don't know anything about breath prayer, there's a lot of there's a lot of good resources online that you can look at up about it. But but breath prayer is really just engaging uh, the breath and the body in prayer. And I love prayer. Um, I'm a Jesus lover. Okay, I'm I'm all in on that. Uh, so one of the things that I do, and that it helps me when I feel stress or afraid or having a difficult day or I've had some type of conflict, is that I take a few minutes and I begin to center myself and center my body, and I do this through breath prayer. And breath prayer is basically breathing in, taking a deep breath in, and then a deep breath out, deep breath in, a deep breath out. But instead of sort of praying like a prayer to God or praying, you know, talking a lot. I just say one word. And the word that I use is beloved. Now you could have any phrase or any word that makes sense to you, that means something to you, that is true, uh, that you need to sort of pray over your life and your story in that moment. And beloved has always been one for me that I, that I need, that is just a healing word. Um, So it could be your word or your phrase could be, you are strong, I'm not alone. It could be the word worthy, valuable, whatever it is for you, find a word. And for one to two minutes, as you breathe in your your breath, and then I want you to breathe out that word. So I would breathe in. Then as I exhaled, I would say or think or whisper the word beloved. And so what I'm doing is I'm connecting my spirit, my body, um, my mind, all together in one practice. And what's so beautiful about this, and this is why I'm telling you about this, is because if you do that, <laughs> if you do that for a minute or two minutes, even 45 seconds, if you're like, I'm so busy, I don't have two minutes in my day, just for 45 seconds, uh, it, will, it will help you release that stress it will help you release that anxiety. It will center you back into what I believe is goodness and truth and love. And that's what we want. Like the practice itself is sort of like the horses jumping in the field, kicking and, and getting, getting whatever's heavy on you off. So breath prayer. The other thing I want to encourage you is just movement in general. It's amazing how sedentary we are. Because of our technologies, we we don't actually have to move anymore. We don't have to act. We can just be in front of a screen. We can be in front of a phone. We can just sit. And I think that's fine. You know, I'm, <laughs> this is not a rant on technology. Uh, but what I want to encourage you to do is when you are feeling low, when you are feeling down, when you are feeling overwhelmed, can I just say, go for a walk? Lace up those shoes and begin to move and to engage your body. Because I think a body in motion, uh, and not not with an agenda, not with like, not not, don't make it a project, but just move, go for a leisurely walk, go get outside, engage your body, stand up. Those sorts of things will really begin to help you, again, release 
the stuff we don't want to carry. I've also found for some people, uh, yoga. Uh, I, I don't particularly care for yoga because it I'm just tall and inflexible for the most part. But I, I, I've done it several times and I love it. It just hurts. <laughs> but I know a lot of people use yoga as a way, again, to begin to connect with their body. Uh, acupuncture. Uh, one of the things that I like is actually massage. Uh, just, again, my muscles and my neck and my shoulders tend to hold stress. And so think about ways um, that you can discharge the negative energy out of your body. And you don't have to do the block. Okay? You don't have to, like, I think if if you have serious trauma, I think certainly be looking into any type of experiential or somatic therapy that could help you with that uh, but in small ways, little ways, you can release the stress. And so it's time. We can't ignore it anymore. We can't uh, neglect the body anymore. Let's engage it. Let's, let's welcome it into our stories, knowing that it's the pathway for us truly finding freedom. So as many of you know, uh, I am a huge fan of the Enneagram and use it in my work with people. And uh, I'm a five, by the way, and that's why I kind of am really excited about this next section of the episode where we're going to talk to Ryan O'Neill from Sleeping at Last about his Enneagram series, but but really uh, his new song called Five, which he has been going through all the different personality types of the Enneagram and writing a song and lyrics for that. And his new song five just came out and we're going to play it at the end of our conversation together. And so let's, without any further ado, let's, let's talk to Ryan. So Ryan, you just came out with uh, Enneagram Five, yeah. Which, by the way, the whole series has been incredible. Tell me, just again, why? What motivates you to do it? Oh, thanks so much. Um, so it is. It belongs to my Atlas series, and Atlas is sort of this this ongoing song series that I, I started a, a few years ago, and basically it gives me the opportunity to kind of write in this long form concept, um, which is the to tell the story of where everything kind of came from. So like the origin stories throughout these, these themes in Atlas. So um, that started with like darkness and light and a song for each of the planets in our solar system and, and kind of bringing everything closer to us, um, which is, which is part of this, this current project. Uh, and, and that led to kind of the Enneagram types. And I've, I've been familiar with the Enneagram for uh, probably a half a decade now. And um, it, as I was, kind of pulling these themes and the, the the concept together, it just made perfect sense. I just started seeing the Enneagram in every relationship that I came across. And it, it just, I thought this is a really um, beautiful tool for empathy and, 
And so I kind of fell in love with the um, studying it, and I thought, I'm like, I wanna, I wanna write a song for each of the nine perspectives. So that's kind of that's kind of where it began. And I'm, um, um, like you said, I just put out five, so I'm five songs in. I'm just past the halfway point. <laughs> so what is what's been your what's been the most difficult thing about writing songs about personality types? Well, it, it occurred to me actually as I was writing the, the first one, the Type One song, uh, that I, I've never written a piece of music that is meant to, uh, I guess, reflect a, a group of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that kind of pressure came on pretty quick where I was like, oh no, because if I get this wrong, then um, that just will be such a such a bummer. And um, also seeing the, like, the anticipation, I think that people are, people are very excited about the Enneagram as a whole. And so um, the idea of there being a, a song that you can kind of have a little ownership of, or um, at least... If you if you happen to like my music, um, so that it, it quickly became a very scary pressured thing. Um, but I, I I've really loved it, and I, I kind of feel like my my criteria or my um, the mark for for uh, feeling comfortable with putting each song out is uh, is sort of when I when I feel like my heart is is kind of broken. Like I understand the type enough to under to to sort of empathize in a way that like I, I just want to give that type of hug that's when I, I know I'm kind of ready to write this song and 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 as long as that sort of is in the in the you know in the back of my mind it's been that's helped me through some of the pressure yeah you really feel like it, it you've gotten into the soul of the person and 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 really there's compassion there right there's just the- yeah absolutely so I, I didn't want to write nine songs that were just inspired by like the, the caricature of each type. I wanted to write nine redemptive stories written from the perspective of each type. So mm. in order to do that, I had to, I, I've been reading as much as I possibly can. I, I had the privilege of um, going on this, uh, this little um, two or three day trip with father Richard Rohr to um, kind of learn a, a deeper uh, depth with all this stuff. And yeah. And what I'm just out of curiosity, what, what type are you? I'm a type nine. Oh, that's right. I remember that. (laughs) Which, uh, do you think that will be a hard song to write or do you think that will be the easiest song to write? You know, I I could actually see it going either way. Um, It'll be the last song. So I feel like in that way, it'll be hard to have some closure with the whole thing. Um, But I also keep telling myself that every Sleeping At Last song I've ever written is a nine song. (laughs) So (laughs) I just have to do that and hopefully it'll be okay. That's great. So your latest song uh, that just came out, is uh, about uh, Enneagram Five. Yes. Which, by the way, your buddy Mike Foster is a five. I know it. You were you were one of my my key examples of a healthy five as right as I was writing that song. Well, I, I appreciate that. I think there's there's definitely moments of my life where I I dip into the average or unhealthy five. But uh, <laughs> um, and when I listen, is so. Awesome. Like when I listened to the song, it just felt like, oh my gosh, he nailed this. Like, how did oh, wow. how does he know me like this now? And uh, I think every five is saying that. But but that I think is what's so great about all the songs is I imagine as you, you know, whatever your type is, you just go, wow, Ryan understands me. And there's there's beauty in the music, there's beauty in being known right by somebody and it's a real gift that as i listened to that song i felt like i'm being seen i'm being known uh and it's a real it's a real beautiful thing that you're doing just so inspired by it all 
That is so kind. Thank you. That seriously means the world to me. So, um, by the way, I also have to just say thank you so much for uh, always being my co-host for Fun Therapy. It is uh, uh, just so awesome having you you know, provide the music and, and we get so much oh comments gosh. about it and people just love it. And I feel like this show is not the same thing without you. And so. Oh, that is so kind. Well, you know, it is absolutely my pleasure. Seriously. I, I am deeply honored that you would uh, let my, my music be a part. Well, I can't imagine doing it with anything, anybody else. I mean, I'm trying to think like John Williams. I don't think John Williams would, would work here. I don't think, uh, who else? Trent yeah, Reznor, doesn't he do soundtrack you. stuff now I, from Nine Inch Nails? He wouldn't be good for this show. <laughs> Ryan, Sleeping at Last is my own, uh, you know, if, without you, I'm, we're just not going to do this. That's a verbal agreement. I will hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, so listen, number one, you got to keep producing music. So keep writing music. And then number two, um, just please let your buddy Mike use it uh, for, for his podcast. And uh, um, I'm excited too, because we are, uh, we're going to play your newest Enneagram five song on the podcast here. And uh, I'm excited for, for everyone to hear it. Thank you so much. I hope I hope you guys like it. So um, I will I will just quickly explain that the the front half is instrumental and the back half has has vocals. And the reason I did that was I wanted the I wanted Type Fives to be able to process since they're such a uh, um, yes you know an engaged and they 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 kind of want their own space to to be able to process things. So it's kind of music to observe by uh, for the first half, and then uh, the the second half is is sort of hopefully. Uh, capturing a little bit of the um, the redemption of of the type five. So let me ask you a quick question about this song. What was uh, what was the thing? Two questions actually. One, yeah. what was the most interesting thing that you learned uh, in studying the five and in writing the song? And number two, do you have a favorite line or lyric from the song? Yeah. So. I really, I, I, I think I mentioned to you earlier, my, my, the two groups uh, or the two types that I have the most friends in are fives and eights. Uh, and so I, I just love fives. And um, so I, I felt like I already came with a little bit of knowledge. Um, my, my best friend is a five and we've known each other for over 20 years. And um, so it, I, I felt, I felt like I had a little bit of a leg up and at least understanding some of the, um, the, uh, I guess the the angle in which they see the world, uh, but I would say that as far as a lyric, uh, I want to I want to watch the universe expand. I mm. felt like every once in a while when I when I write a song, I know right away when it's the it's the opening lyric. Uh, usually, it takes a, a long time to figure out, but uh, as far as like it, it, I guess I should say it takes a long time to write that opening lyric, uh, and I always kind of know when it's the, when it's there. And this happened to be the first lyric I wrote for this one, um, so I would say that's my favorite. Um, of that. And as far as what I learned about the five that I thought was the most interesting and I, maybe I'll be, somebody will disagree with this, but I, I read in a couple different places that the type fives, they sort of require the, the four wing, the, the connection from the head to the heart types. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I thought that was interesting because uh, all of the other types, you don't necessarily require one side or the other of your wing. And um, I feel like for the, for the fives, it seems, it seems kind of like, it's an it's a very valuable and important thing to um, to 
being able to enjoy life to its fullest is to be able to connect to that head head type or that that head center. Um, so that was interesting, and uh, I, I just I also think that it's fascinating how. Uh, and you might have actually explained this. I, I think I think a couple of years ago when we were talking about the type fives, you had mentioned this to me that when you walk into a room, you you notice everything, mm-hmm. and it's like a non judgmental. Uh, thought, but you're just sort of collecting. So everything's a collection. Uh, you're pulling in all the details. Um, and whereas a one might do that, a type one might walk into a room and, and see everything and they might see everything that's wrong and they might see everything that's right. Um, and the five's doing that same thing. They're just cataloging it. And I, I always, that always kind of, um, stood out to me as like, that's, that's really interesting. You're just natural born collectors. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great way to read, uh, collectors of, and everything is interesting. I think yeah. fives tend to be passionately curious about life and people and, uh, yeah. um, yeah, I, Life, I know. Lifetime learners. Lifetime yeah, learners, sure. absolutely. Well, and I, one thing, and you'd be able to, you'd be able to tell me if this is true, but um, the I, I read that fives don't really enjoy being taught that much. They they like being their own teachers. Is that is that true? Do you find that to be true? Well, here's what I would say as just uh, anecdotal support of that yeah. that statement is I was a horrible student. I got uh, D's and C's uh, in high school. I never finished college. I my, literally my first semester at Cal State Fullerton, which was a university here in California, I got D's and F's. So my life may support the fact that uh, <laughs> not a fan of teachers. N- no, but uh, we love learning. I mean, that's the interesting thing. We love learning, yeah. but. And I think that it's so interesting that the the love for learning sort of t- a lot of fives end up being teachers themselves, even though they don't love being taught. They they just are it's their gifting to share that. And I guess it's a healthier part of their gifting of sharing what they've what they've gathered, what they've collected. So yes. Um, but I I just I love me some fives. So well, thank you, and yeah, thank you for being a five. <laughs> we 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 love sleeping at last. We love your music. We love everything that you're creating. So give me the line again. Your favorite lyric. I want to watch the universe expand. And with that, here's uh, Ryan's brand new song from the Enneagram series, uh, Enneagram Five.
friends that's it for this episode of fun therapy thank you for just number one allowing me to share a little bit Uh, i'm going to do that every so often and um, we're going to still hear the stories and we're still going to do the therapy sessions and all that's still on it's on like donkey kong but thank you for letting me share a little bit about the body today thank you ryan for joining us and talking i hope you enjoyed the song as much as i did isn't it beautiful Oh, it's so good. Listen, make sure to uh, download the song, listen to the song, stream the song. Uh, Sleepingatlast.com is uh, where you can get more of Ryan's music. And I also want to encourage you to follow me at MikeFoster2000 on Instagram, MikeFoster2000. And also hop on over to my website at MikeFoster.tv. You can learn more about 
uh, some of the work and resources that I have. You can learn about Rescue Academy Workshop and uh, come see me at the workshop. We're, we're just having so much fun. These are so, such beautiful times of personal work and also learning how to help heal the world in a uh, grace-filled, um, boundary-filled, <laughs> um, healthy way. And so um, come join me for the, the, uh, the workshop, rescueacademy.com for that, or you can just go to my website, mikefoster.tv. Uh, Fun Therapy is a proud member of the Relevant Podcast Network, and I always appreciate the guys at Relevant for helping put all of this together. Thanks again for listening, and remember, friends, no matter what has happened in your story, that your setbacks can become your superpowers, and honesty is always the best policy. We'll see you next time on the Fun Therapy Podcast. Podcast Network.